from the New York City area, welcome to the Badass Counseling Show, where the master badass himself, Sven Erlinson, takes you deep and gives balm for the soul, baby. We are here in studio with the Badass Counseling Show, and you are with us. And gosh, is it a delight to have you here. From Naples, Italy to Newcastle, Australia, from Galway to Memphis, from Bend, Oregon to the Quad Cities. I'm joined in studio by KC over in the booth and Rob on my left. And I am feeling good. And we have a guest today who is a bit down, not feeling quite so good, but a really interesting story. And uh, Rob, will you tell us about Steve? Be happy to, Sven. Here's what Steve wrote to us. He said, I'm an awesome, divorced, recovering alcoholic veteran that shares custody of a physically handicapped and terminal child. I spent 13 deployments over 12 years in a cycle of high violence and speed, punctuated by low speed and alcoholism at home. I'm now in a space where my mother is not long for this world and needs my help while my son's physical needs are exceeding what I can do alone. And he finishes with the word lost. Good day, Steve. Great to have you here with us. Yeah, you too. It's great to see you. Thanks for coming on the show. Well, let's go ahead and get after it right away. You said, you opened by saying a few things, and then you said, I have a physically uh, handicapped and terminal child. Uh, what is Correct. your uh, child's uh, disease? What's, what's the issue? So he is diagnosed with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's a neurodegenerative disease. Um, effectively, that means that he will be in a wheelchair Unfortunately for him personally, um, probably by the end of the summer, um, and will eventually obviously affect his heart um, with probably a life expectancy of 25 to 30. Mm. How old is he right now? He's 10. He's 10. He's an amazing kid. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, and you're a single parent or, or what's the scoop? I share custody with my ex-wife, 50% uh, custody. We do week to week currently, and that's working great. Um, but, you know, my, my body's breaking. Emotionally, I'm breaking. Mm. Um, there's some things that have been happening in my life uh, that are, you know, I'm just kind of trying to figure it out. What's the biggest thing that's happening in your life, uh, apart from your son's muscular dystrophy and the Im immense uh, challenge that must be, not just with the everyday day-to-day -day and his feelings, but your own feelings. Your son is uh, uh, dying in front of your eyes. What, apart from that, what other things are you referring to in your day-to-day? -day? Okay, so the other things I'm dealing with my, in my life are uh, my mother is also uh, not doing so well. She's having severe heart problems. Um, she's going to need assistance soon as well, but our our family is disparate. Like we... Uh, we live all across the country. My mom lives in Arizona. Uh, my sister's a nurse practitioner in uh, Las Vegas. And uh, so my plan had been to like, well, why don't we consolidate what's left of our family here and just kind of, you know, allow my sister and my mom like financially, you know, resources, emotionally, we can all just support each other. And it just isn't going to work geographically. So let me backtrack a little bit. I'm sorry. Um, my ex-wife and I, 
divorced as of October 2022. There was a little bit of reconnection there. All these things were happening simultaneously. But I didn't want to bring up the aspect of um, my son and that it's getting harder for me physically. He's currently being asked to be carried uh, to the bathroom. He's 120 pounds. I'm going through some back issues that I'm no longer capable of dealing with. Um, I don't know. Are we, let me, let me ask you, are we, are we diving into the past or we want to go current events? I, I guess you, I guess what I'm wondering uh, at the moment is what is the single presently in any for any, any form whatsoever, what is the single biggest problem in your life right now that is presenting itself that is just killing you or bogging you down or that you're struggling with the most be physical, emotional, financial fucking relationship. What is the single biggest issue you're uh, just in the throes of right now? The the single biggest issue that I'm having right now Mm -hmm. is trying to figure out how to balance two people that are very important to me that are dying and prioritizing the two. One is dying sooner, which is my mother. And one is dying later, which is my son. And uh, what's the timeline? You say sooner with your mom. So A, how old is she? B, what's the approximate timeline? It would, it would depend who you ask. She would say, like, I'm dying tomorrow. Okay. Uh, her doctors would say within, you know, two to five years. Two to five years. How old is she? Just out of curiosity. Uh, 63 Oh, my gosh. She's young. Holy yeah, cow. a lot of blood clotting and... Uh, heart problems in the last couple of years. And so uh, is it that you're trying to decide uh, you couldn't set it up to consolidate the family to get your son and your mom under one roof? And so is it that you're <laughs> feeling that you have to decide between your mother and your son? No, I'm feeling that I have to decide geographically where I need to be, but I'm getting resistance from my ex-wife who can also not do it alone. Um, my ex-wife honestly has like narcissistic tendencies. Look, I'm no, uh, d- to be completely honest with you, I'm no uh, stranger to being a degenerate piece of shit. Um, I have my, I believe strongly in like owning my shit. Um, I was an alcoholic. Uh, I was running and gunning for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um and that's why I put that in my intro. And you brought that up in the context of saying that your wife can be a narcissistic, you know, piece of shit, asshole, whatever. Um, so, okay, your caveat is on there that you too have issues and who doesn't? Who hasn't had, you know, been a shit in their life? Okay, so you were in the process of saying, we're trying to determine what, what is it, how far away from where you live is your mom? You don't have to tell me where specifically you live if you don't want to, but you said mom's in Arizona and you are... I am in central Virginia, Virginia. East coast. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so let me ask you this, um, honest question. What is it? Why is it you feel the need to go and be with your mother? I, I know that sounds crass, but I'm, I, it's a sincere question. Uh, the sincere answer is that she is the sole person that has cared for me and been my support network for my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel I owe that to her. Yes. You wait, owe that to her. And uh, is she applying any sort of pressure for you to do that? Of course not. Um, nope, never has. Okay. Um, she would be okay with like sending me a text message 
Like she's just that kind of person. She's kind of cynical, probably should be. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, I'll just, I'll let you know when I'm dying and you can come and see me or not. So, so. how much guilt are you feeling that at the moment you can't be there helping or be there with her and supporting her? I feel a lot of guilt about that. Um, I never have before. Felt guilt or supported her, been there and supported her before? Felt, Both. Okay. And you mm-hmm. feel it now. The guilt you feel now is why? If you haven't felt the guilt before, why are you feeling it now? You know, making up lost time, perhaps. If she was always um, there for you before, then what's the lost time? She was always there for me, like, as a mother. The lo- I mean, I don't know. Can I ask you a question? Please. When somebody is your mother, like, do you at least owe them, like, to... I'm, I'm of Italian heritage. Like, I feel like you owe them the respect to at least bury these people. Mm-hmm. Like, with respect. Like, sure. you wiped my ass when I was a kid. I'm going to wipe your ass when you're old. That's a, and that is a beautiful thing. My, my girlfriend of nearly 10 years uh, grew up in the Bronx, big Italian family, father from Positano, mother from Sicily. So I get it. I come from a big Swedish family, you know, big families, you know, big Jewish family, big Swedish family, big, you know, Dutch family. I mean, you know, big African-American family, family is family is family, you know? And, and so I get that. I get that. Whether it's a big family or a small family, you know, it's, um, but the, the sense of, Love, the sense of obligation. Let me ask you, and this is going to be kind of a fucked up question, but it's an honest question. Uh, we're talking about this sort of sense of uh, lo- responsibility for your mom and wanting to, you know, sort of wipe her ass in the end. What percent is that sense of responsibility? What percent is that love? And what percent is that sense of I should or obligation? I'm going to give you a 50-50 on that. Okay. All right. Um, and let me ask you this. If I were, and and that's a fair answer, appreciate that. If I were to ask your mother, um, if your mother had been born with a a severely handicapped child, would she have felt obligated to take care of her dying parent over her severely handicapped child? Not over. But if she couldn't make it doing both, which would she choose? Oh, yeah, she would, uh, she would say, take care of your kid, like... Would she have taken care of her kid over her own father or mother? Okay. Absolutely. And so then the struggle inside of you is clearly you're not your mother. So what makes you so different from your mother that this is such a hard struggle or what is it I'm missing? I I guess it would be that I want to take care of everybody and I can't. Ah, can I tell you how many fucking times I have heard that from war veterans? Guys and women who have been serving other people, giving of themselves, giving of themselves, giving of themselves. We had a fellow on the show. Do you remember Curtis? We had a fellow, he'd done tours, gotten blown up in Iraq. And, uh, you know, even afterwards, as he discussed on the show, you know, he, he takes care of everybody. And he's, you know, he's had a hard go of it because he's always taking care of everybody. A beautiful man, wonderful, good man. But it's just like he's lost in it all. Um, and so what does it feel like for somebody who's done 13 deployments over 12 years? I mean, that's some serious fucking numbers right there. Uh, hardcore on behalf of all of us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. But how does it feel as a guy who's used to getting shit done and taking responsibility and, and to use your phrase, running and gunning and, and 
how does it feel to not be able to help everyone and to also feel your own body breaking down and your own sort of soul self breaking down in the word lost? I mean, how does it feel to be under life rather than on top of life? I guess I've always felt that I was on top of life. I had to have some like really hard conversations with myself. It feels when the smoke clears and, you know, you start going to therapy and things like that. You start to think about this stuff and self-reflect and you realize all the fucked up shit that you did and you got it wrong. You got it wrong, man. Mm. Like, So what are you getting wrong right now as you see it? I'm doing the best I can with the information and tools that I have, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Absolutely. But then that, but that also means you can't come back later and judge yeah, Stephen of, of 20, 2023 and say, God, what a fucking dipshit. Why did he do this or that? That's not fair. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so that what is takes this? a long time. It, okay. And so let me ask you, what is the single biggest thing in your life that is causing you to feel lost? Why are you lost? The reason I'm lost is um, we can go back to like the reconnection that I was having with my ex-wife. Mm -hmm. This is a person, unfortunately, that I still cannot let go of. Mm -hmm. I love her to death. Mm -hmm. And I have this strong attachment to her mm -hmm. um, that like you are the only person mm -hmm. and we are the only people that can get this kid in the ground. And I, I don't mean to sound I know dark. what you mean. I know what you mean. Like we, we got to get this thing done, like whatever it is, whatever it takes. And no matter what my fuck ups were or what they might be, um, I don't give a shit. Like we have to take care of this problem. Well, that's different um, from how you started talking about your ex. Cause you started talking about the love and I still have strong feelings and there's no one else for me. And, uh, or some, you know, there's no one else and no one else with me that can, help my son and so forth. Is it the love or is it trying uh, doing this whole thing regarding your son? What are we talking about here? What's the problem? What's the lost? It's, it's both. Which is bigger for you? What percent of your struggle and lossless right now is regarding the love and which, and what percent is the son? 70% my son. 30% mm -hmm. her. And so when we boil down the struggle vis-a-vis -vis your son regarding your son that consumes so much of your lostness um, what really is at the heart of it? What is it about the struggle inside of you and your son and the lostness? What is it about the, the shit with your son that is causing you to feel so lost? Can I distill it down into one sentence? What really are we talking about here? Loss of time. Time. Say more. What do you mean? Uh, the loss of time. I spent so much time making you know, just making money. Like I was just a lost kid when I met my wife, beautiful. You know, she brought me a muffin. I threw it in the garbage, like just a complete piece of shit. Um, but in love with her immediately. Um, you know, I kind of fumbled my way through college and things like that. And I was like, okay, well, I've got to do something. I don't know what my model was, but I was like, well, she's trying to work on a PhD. Um, I can go make money. Let me go try and do that. And so I joined the army um, and then I got into the intelligence community and I just got good at it. Like I was just really good at it. So I just kept doing it. 
And so you said 70% of your struggle in feeling lost is your son. And I said, what specifically? And you said time. So what are you, are you talking about time you lost in the past, time you're losing in the present? Time I lost in the past, which was about 50%, then the divorce. So I lost another 50%. I fought for that and I gave up all of the marital assets and everything to get it. You, you gave up all of your middle marital assets to get the divorce? To buy custody. Ah. And the reason you wanted, but I thought you just said you had 50-50 custody. So you, I do now. I bought it. <laughs> oh, wow. So you were going to get zero? Is that what we're talking about? It started at zero at every other weekend, Dad, and that was unacceptable. Uh-huh. So I fought for two years and finally broke through. Um, fucking honorable she, guy, man. Jesus. Now she entirely relies on it. And I don't want to abandon her. I don't, I, I won't disparage this woman. Um, well, you already said, you already said narcissistic tendencies. So, and which is then why, yeah, why you, but like, I also said like, I'm, you know, <laughs> right. Uh, you get, no, you, know, you gave your caveats that that sort of gave you permission to disparage her a little bit, but okay. I, but it, the mere fact that you say, I'm not going to disparage this woman says there's a whole lot of shit there that I could say, but I ain't going to say it. I mean, I, no, I will say it. Oh, so um, you are going to disparage this woman. Well, I'm upset with her. I'm angry with and her. I'm not saying you shouldn't disparage her. Okay, so what I'm wondering is, you said 50%, you've... Your struggle is the loss of time in the past, and then you, and that's fifty percent. And then fifty percent, you know, the loss in the divorce is the rest of the time. What What do you mean you lost time in the divorce? I'm trying to drill down and figure out so, what the hell is really afflicting okay. your soul here today, Steve. You're doing great, by the way. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, I guess I'm not entirely sure how to explain it properly. Um, but you were an intelligence and you were good at it. So use that big fucking brain of yours, I'm man. Trying, Come on now. It, let, well, uh, let me take a shot at it and then you just tweak the shit out of it. Okay. okay. All, All right. right. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you said that you, you're feeling lost in, and what's the main struggle? And you said it's 30% about the love, but it's also 70% about your son, which implies that your bigger struggle inside of you, well, it's not implied, it's explicit, is regarding your son. But then you go on to say, uh, it's about, I said, but what specifically? And you said time. And I'm like, well, how the hell does time relate to your son? Unless what you're saying is that I feel like I've lost so much time either A, not being there for my wife and son, or B, lost so much time on my son, so I feel like I've lost part of my own life. And then the 50% okay. of time in your divorce is I feel like I spent so much time during the marriage fucking off and doing my own thing because I didn't know what else to do uh, that I lost time with her and hence had to have the divorce. Now, just tweak the shit out of it, but be concise okay. so that I understand. I'm a simple-minded fellow. When he got diagnosed mm -hmm. in 2015 is when everything started to break down for us. Okay. Okay. That's where we started to disconnect. Um, I laid down in the rain crying. Um, we, we snuggled, we did all these things. All I knew how to do at the time, because I'm a, I'm a dipshit, uh, was like, well, why don't I just keep doing this? Like, I'll go make more money. This is going to save him. Um, she was not employed at the time. She was working on her PhD. Um, we had this overhanging debt of quarter million dollars. That was her PhD. 
that has since been forgiven. At the time, like we had all these things going on and I was like, well, this is what I know how to do. I'm really good at this. And the shitty thing about it, man, was what I did to this woman. um, And she's perfectly valid for all of the things that she left me for everything. But I didn't see it at the time was that like I would go to these dry countries over and over again, get in the best shape of my life. No alcohol, nothing. Um, Come home, get drunk. Um, And she would say like, well, you're an alcoholic. And I never with my stupid fucking brain until, you know, August of last year was like, oh, she's never seen me sober because I'm only sober when I'm deployed. Mm hmm. Um, but I had like this weird, like high speed thing where I had like this serotonin, like dopamine rush where all this shit was happening. And then everything just slows down when you get home. And it's like, I didn't know how to deal with it. So I poured alcohol in it like an asshole and I never checked in on her. Yeah. Like she finally just burned out on it, but She's also kind of, at the very least, we'll say emotionally immature. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to diagnose her with anything. I remember a couple of moments where I'm trying to let her go is where I'm at now. Like, for instance, I wrecked my motorcycle. Um, This was years ago. And I hobbled back into that low speed accident. Like, I I didn't get super Mm -hmm. injured, Mm -hmm. but I hobbled back in. Mm -hmm. I told her, I was like, Hey, I just wrecked my bike. Um, like I'm a little hurt. I hurt my hip. And she's like, how much is that going to cost? Oh, Hey, fuck off. Uh, wow. Uh, And I got really upset about it. Yeah. Um, that's just like an example. And I just pushed that shit aside, man. Like, right. So your own pain beyond the physical pain, your own pain at her saying that and not caring about your state, you just slept that shit down, ignored it, whatever. And I have some questions, more questions on that, but we're going to catch that right. Uh, We'll be right back with more Badass Counseling right after this. Hi, this is KC. There's an update from the Badass Counseling Desk. The audiobook version of the book, There's a Hole in My Love Cup, is now available exclusively only at badasscounseling.com. You've heard Sven talk a lot about his book, There's a Hole in My Love Cup, and that's because Sven hears from his followers a lot about how much the book has helped them. If you're not sure how to handle the issues getting in the way of a better life, you're not alone, and you have a lot of choices. But thousands of readers will tell you that this is a great place to start, by yourself and at your own pace. So go to badasscounseling.com and order There's a Hole in My Love Cup, and you'll have Sven right there with you as you forge your best future. It's totally badass. So get started today. This show provides soul counseling intended to entertain and inform and is not medical advice. Now, back to the badass. And we are back with Steve on... The Badass Counseling Show. Steve is talking about how the the split from his wife, the years he spent uh, sort of seemingly driving that one into the ground, but she brought her own share of significant problems to the relationship. Steve, you just said that, uh, you know, she burned out on all of it. You said, uh, I'm trying to let her go. 
What's the hardest part about letting her go? In one sentence or less, what's the hardest part about letting her go? Um, deeply in love with this woman, and she's the mother of my child. And I honestly feel a lot of guilt and shame that we can't do it together anymore. And and why the guilt and shame? Because I fucked up a lot, man. And like, uh, did she fuck up a lot? Not that she would admit to. That's not the question. If I'm talking to any person and they can happily or easily point out all the flaws in their partner, but they can't point out the flaws in themselves, I know I am dealing with a non-credible source. And do you want to know how I know that, Steve? And you're doing just the opposite. You're pointing out the flaws in yourself, but are reluctant to point out the flaws in her, which leads me to believe if I were having a conversation with her, she would be quick to find your flaws and slow uh, to find her own, if able to find any at all. But here's the problem. Over 30 years of counseling people, I've come to realize very, very powerfully that unhealthy people come in twos. In other words, no healthy person, no soul healthy, emotionally healthy person would ever get into a relationship or stay in a relationship with a soul slash emotionally unhealthy person. So these spouses that sit back and say, well, you're this and you're that, and I looked it up on Wikipedia, and you're exactly this or that, and WebMD, you have all the symptoms, you're this and that, and that but I'm fine. Or you're always the villain and I'm always innocent. It's just bullshit. If you're so fucking, you know, evolved and fucking healed, then why are you with an unhealed person? By definition, a fully healed person does not uh, have relationships with, certainly not intimate relationships with unhealthy people. Why they sniff that shit out? And it's like they protect their own value far more than they would they know better than and they protect their own value rather than getting in with someone that they know is going to bring them down so this notion that she's innocent bullshit okay well but you didn't even say that you said she I would didn't. say right so what i want to know is what precisely do you feel the question was what you said i'm trying to let her go i said what's stopping you you said i'm deeply in love she's the mom of my child and i feel guilt and shame and presumably guilt and shame over all the shit that you did that you believe uh caused the divorce i'm just curious if you were to be totally fucking honest apart from your proclivity to self-deprecate if you were to be totally honest in what you steve actually believe honestly not on the surface but deep down, what percent is she responsible for the divorce and what percent do you believe you are responsible for the divorce? If you're to be totally honest. We'll go 70-30 on my part. So you're 70% at fault. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, all right. Well, I, again, find that hard to believe, but fine. We'll go with it. So let me ask you then. The reason you're trying to let her go and having difficulty letting go, again, you gave three reasons, deeply in love, she's the mom of my child, and I feel guilt and shame. And so I want you to break those three down into percentages. What percent is your difficulty in letting go because of the love? What percent because she's the mom of your kid? And what percent is because of your guilt and shame, if you're to be totally honest? If I was going to be totally honest, yep. um, yeah, that's, you know. Oh, I heard, I heard sort of a grin coming off your face or a little giggle or something. What, what is, what's Um, going on inside you? What caused that pause? That sort of, hmm, what was going on inside you right at that moment? To be totally honest, like I feel as though we started this together and we need to end it together. So I would probably put her above 
that because it's better with us together to raise this child. So break it out into the, but what was the smile? What we'll was the laugh? What was, um, but before the percentage, you, I said, if you were to give me those percentages and answer it honestly, what would the percentage be? And you said, honestly, and then you sort of paused, like you like you giggled or you were grinning or something. What When you said honestly, what happened inside of you? Before you break out the percentages, what happened inside of you when I said honestly and you said honestly, and then you sort of paused, grinned a bit, something. What happened inside of you? What was the thought you had that caused you to give that grinning pause? You know, uh, the grinning was probably from a place of, again, shame, like that I would put her above him um oh. because i need her and that's embarrassing to me so that's why i turned away all right all right fair enough so give me the percentages uh the reason it's hard to let her go the three things were deeply in love she's mm -hmm. the mom of my child and i feel guilt or and guilt and shame so break give me three percentages that add up to 100 the reason you can't let go or it's so hard to let go 40 percent. i'm in love with her 20% guilt. What are we at? 60. And then 40% because she's the mom of your child. Yes. Tell me how those numbers should look. <laughs> well, I don't know if there is a should. <laughs> what was your giggle, Rob? There is no should. Exactly. Exactly. There is no should. The question though, that I is it okay to still be in love with her. Oh, I would be shocked. How you were married for how long? Uh, we, 13 years I would together be shocked. for 20. Yeah. Together for 20. And you just got the divorce in October. I would be shocked if you weren't still in love with her. And you know, some, there are all different theories out there. Oh, you need a month to, or six months to heal for every year you were together. Some say you need a month or two months of healing for every year you were together. And there's no right and wrong formula, but for you to not uh, I have no doubt, A, that you love her, and B, you said in love as well, which is sort of more the romantic and, and so forth. That's, that's so fucking normal, dude. That is so fucking normal. Um, but what should the percentages be isn't really even the question. The question is, uh, what's driving those percentages, and are you okay? More importantly, are you okay with those percentages? What do you fear most if you uh, if you guys stick with the divorce and if you were to heal and walk away um, or to actually let this relationship be done? What is it you fear the most in letting go of her? I suppose that like I'm isolating and I I have no interest like in relationships. Like we had a conversation that you know went a little bit sour, where she was, you know, she had stated even. Go find a woman that will help you raise your child. And I was like, well, that's really not a healthy space to start a relationship from. Um, I don't know how I put why that would, on my Tinder right, profile. Right. No, I agree. But, uh, and why would she say that? Is that because she does not want to raise the child? To, she wants me to go away. Like, and that's fine. You know, it, it was an upsetting conversation, but like, this is kind of the route things go is like, I express a concern like, hey, my mom's dying. And she's like, well, I mean, how is that going to affect me? Right. And that sounds brutal. It, it sounds brutal. And it hurts and to hear so that. I have like an emotional response that's not like aggressive. Like I'm not a, you no, know. but you get angry. Got it. Yeah. Right. I get angry. Because it hurts. Um, 
and it hurts. And, you know, I go off the rails, like I'm a super emotional guy. Mm -hmm. I need emotional connection, Mm -hmm. um, support, and I don't have it here. Right. And, uh, men by inserting the word here at the end of that sentence seems to imply that you want to go find it somewhere else or gee, I wonder if I might find it somewhere else if I went somewhere. Well, by consolidating my family, it doesn't really matter where that might be. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you. So the way you were describing it, it sounds like you, apart from her, you have no life. You brought up the words. I said, what's your fear in letting go? You said, well, I've been True. isolating and I have no interest in relationships. And the reason you have no interest in relationships is is because you just want her or is there some other reason? I mean, because you just said, I'm still in love with her and I want a relationship with her. So that implies you do want a relationship. You are interested in relationships. You know what it is, man? Like I'm working on myself Mm -hmm. and I'm not healthy enough for somebody else yet. I have a lot of work to do. I'm still hammering away at the past. Uh I cannot start, you know, taking on other people's trauma um, fair. I and I, it. and I respect that yet you're holding on to someone and, and considering how much you still want a relationship with that person. So that sort of mm-hmm. shoots that notion that you're, you're not ready for a relationship because you're flat out admitting you want a relationship with her. So how am I supposed to reconcile those in my pea brain? So if I want a relationship with my ex, mm-hmm. how should I, how should I be emotional, emotionally available to somebody else? You can't be. Oh, right. So you just stay in therapy you figure it out like i'm probably gonna sit here for like 10 years man like i gotta figure it out why and what precisely is it you're trying to figure out like i've got some shit to work on man well what the shit you need to work on is you've got so much pain fears and bullshit beliefs you've been taught about yourself from your past and the deployments and but all your problems preceded those deployments your problems preceded this relationship of 20 years your problems preceded all of that for sure, man. My dad's an alcoholic, okay, paranoid, Dave. schizophrenic, like lots of childhood stuff. Like, right. And But that does yeah. not have to take 10 fucking years. I'm telling you, that can take six months if you're doing a deep dive. I, I work clients through the deepest shit in you know such periods of time. So it's not necessarily locked into a period of time. Just out of curiosity, you said you're isolating um, and you have no interest in relationships, but that doesn't really answer the question of why you're afraid of letting go of her. What are you most afraid of if you were to let go of her? What is the one thing that keeps you holding on that you're most afraid of losing? Okay, if we're doing rapid fire, I don't want any other dude to raise my child. I see. Huh. So you want her as a way to control her. I don't want to control well, her. Well, that, but that's precisely what you said. I, As long as I keep her locked in with me, she won't be with someone else. And then no one else will be raising my child. Now, let me ask you, if you were to be really, really yep. squeeze your balls honest, is it that and and I get that. I don't want someone else raising my son. You know, as a parent myself, I get that. You know, any parent who's been through a divorce and, you know, think of, you know, you know he's going to go meet some other woman. I don't want some stepkid in my kid's lives, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so that's legit. But just out of curiosity, is it is that really the biggest issue that I don't want someone else raising my son? Because technically someone else would only be raising your son at most half time. And that's only because you have your son the other half of the time, but that's only if 
he's the other full-time parent. If her half of the time she's doing all of the work, then he's not raising your son at all. If if on her half of the time she's doing half the work, then at most he's raising your son one quarter, at most. Okay, so just mm-hmm. out of curiosity, is if you were to be really balls to the wall honest, is it that you fear someone else raising your son or is it that you fear someone else being with her? Which would hurt more as her lover? as the man she's giving love and attention to. You were with her for 20 fucking years. It, is it really about your son or is it really that I can't bear the thought of her being with another man? No, I think uh, if I had to be completely honest about it, yeah. I would say there's definitely some jealousy there. My cognitive mind tells me like it would be good for him to have exposure to other people because we're tribal people. Um, takes a village. But for me personally, emotionally, it would be because like, no, we have this obligation and it's nobody else's responsibility. Oh, I want this responsibility. Oh, it's nobody else's responsibility. In other words, I don't want to burden anyone else. Correct. Oh. Like it's not your problem. Like Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you don't want her to, de- I want to hold on to her, keep her in a relationship with me so that she won't date some other guys. Why? Be- because I don't want somebody else raising my kid. But it's not really that. It's it's that now you're saying it's, I don't want to burden another fella with my son. It's not that my son is a burden though. I don't want to put that on someone else. I don't want to whatever. You just said it's not that person's responsibility. Basically, they shouldn't have to do that. So you're doing that guy a favor. Hey, man, I'm just going to stay with my girlfriend. So, you know, I I just like to separate those things. Like he has a mom, he has a dad, and it's okay if she wants to be separated. But like, look, I, you know, I don't know. What? No, that's not good enough. I don't know. It's not good enough. I want to know what the fuck the real issue is that keeps you holding on to a woman that wants you to go away. What are we really talking about here? What hurts the very most? Because I'm feeling like the sun part, while significant, is a smokescreen for something else. You know what? Because I put a lot of fucking work into myself over the past couple of years, lots of therapy. Uh-huh. I made all the changes i thought i should Uh and the reconnecting and things and uh it still wasn't good enough and i got rejected immediately right like nope and i asked her why Uh she was sending me extravagant gifts i was sending her flowers and then just cut me off entirely and i asked why and she said well i want a couple of dates that's why so i'm hurt about that um i'm pissed off about that that I got led on. Um, I was a plan B. That's how I feel. Um, and meanwhile, I've been doing all this shit for all this time. It's almost like it was a waste of fucking time. I did all this fucking work and it didn't get the girl back. Well, and I did the best I could. It was like, okay, yeah, not great. You know what? One of the central things is in sales. I don't know if you've ever been in sales. I sold this stupid shit and that stupid shit. And over the years and, um, but one of the, what sales really boils down to is overcoming objections. Overcoming objections. And the way you were talking there, I felt like you were pitching her. You were selling and she wasn't buying. And you're not, you weren't understanding why you got the sale. But here's the thing. When it comes to love, you really don't have to sell. Either I want to buy the product or I don't. 
you know, and, and the truth is if you're selling, those are the ones you want to avoid because if, so was I, so was I ever loved in the first place? Well, oh, I, without me talking to her, I couldn't know. I can speculate though, uh, to the degree that either of your two wounded souls were capable of loving. Yeah, probably. But the truth is sometimes love goes bad. Sometimes we push away the, the person we used to love because it doesn't, there's too much water over the dam, too much water under the bridge. Let's mix some metaphors. You know, that it's possible to drive away someone that you really love. It's possible to drive away someone who really loved you. And so my question is, if you were to be totally honest, was the purpose of the healing work that you did, if you were to be totally honest, to win her back or were you doing it for you? It was for me until I decided to stupidly try to reconnect and I felt strongly about it. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Because it, it's the way you were describing it earlier, Steve, it sounds like, and you correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not trying to be hurtful or rude or insulting or anything, but it sounds like outside of her and your son, you have no life. No. Okay. And that's indicative of someone who has not found themselves yet. Which is more absorbing for you? And absorbing doesn't necessarily have to be positive. Some people absorb themselves in problems uh, you know, or absorb themselves in, you know, sports or absorb themselves in their work or absorb themselves in their children. So it can be positive, it can be negative. We're just looking at in terms of absorption. To what degree has your entire adult life been spent in high absorption situations? Whether they're, whether they're healthy or not isn't the point. In things that totally consume you as a way, as a different form of the alcohol. Trying to please other people about that. Great. So what do you really want to do in this whole fucking equation? Not what do you want to have? I know you want to have your girlfriend. In this equation of son, ex, mom, and self, what would you want to do? Not have, because you can't control if you get to have something. What do you want to do in this equation? What does it really boil down to? I would like to relocate, change jobs, and and I don't believe that's an escape mechanism. It's it possibly, but escape from what? I don't want to. I don't know. I don't want to run from my child or anything like that. But like, I think geography has you know value. It can yeah, very much um, so. And I'm I'm here, and there is nothing here but like toxicity, and it just it feels poisonous. And and the primary reason you want to relocate and change jobs is what above all else what would that give you above all else is for myself because i'm not good for anybody if i'm not putting myself first anymore mm-hmm. um i can't like just put everybody ahead of me mm-hmm. i can't help my mom i can't help my son if i am not healthy myself uh-huh. and i can't be healthy in this environment emotionally my child will die by 30 and so that that's actually an opportunity. You get to know, you get to spend the best moments you can with these people. Same with my mom at the end of her life. And you want to relocate to Arizona to be near your mom and you want to bring your son. Is this correct? I want to relocate to where my mom would like to die. Oh, so you so you say your whole problem your entire life is giving to everyone else and so on and so forth. So you want to give the next potentially five or whatever years to her. And then after that, the subsequent five plus years to your son. And so then you're how old right now? 
39. So then you would be 50 and then you'd finally get your life. It's fair. What is my life supposed to look like? Your life is supposed to look like what actually. I have a model like that. I follow like, I just think that way. Okay. And the truth is, as long as your life is completely about other people at the expense of your own self, you're not going to fucking be happy. So if you're looking to be happy and have clarity and have peace in your soul, it's not going to happen. Because if you give your whole life away to other people, uh, that's never been a solution. If you're giving it out of shoulds and what you want to do for other people, that's great if you're healed first, but you're not. And you openly admit that. You admit that you're lost and you admit that you don't know, uh, you know, what to do and so on and yeah. so forth. And so, um, forgive me for asking the obvious question. Why not just bring your mom out to Virginia? But complicated logistics. Well, it sounds like it's complicated logistics going the other way too. Yeah. I don't know what the right decision is. Yeah. I can bring them out here. I got resistance. Like I tried to have a conversation with my ex about it. And she said, I'm going to take custody if you leave. And I was like, okay, but I'm just feeling like I'm going to stagnate here if I stay. I can't be in these like toxic relationships. Like she moved in my coworkers. Are you ready to walk away from your son? There's no walking away from that. Of course not. Oh, so you're stuck between I hate living here, but I can't leave because my son is here and my ex-wife won't let my son leave. So you're stuck. No, there was, there was a custody schedule conversation that would have been the same. So if you move to, if you moved to Arizona, your son would come to be with you for six months is what you're saying. Ah, Correct. Gotcha. So let me ask you this then, Steve. One last question. It's simply this. What is the single biggest question you want to ask me? Or as as of this moment, what is the single biggest thing inside of you? How do I find peace? Get out all the pain. Go into all the shit, all the fucking memories, all the shit from your past, all the shit from your time of war, all of the pain in this fucking relationship, the fact that she's still got you by the short and curlies and does well by keeping you down and telling you how shitty you are, yet she's dependent upon your money. All the fucking pain, all the anger, all the sadness, all the shit from your past, all that has to come out. And then to which most people respond, well, fuck, that's a lot of work. Yeah, if you want peace. But the truth is, it's not a lot of work in t- in terms of duration of time. It, it's a function of how hard you attack it, how deeply you go into it. See, the reason most therapy takes so fucking long, if it gets anywhere, if you got a good one that gets you somewhere, but oftentimes, you know, strung out one hour here, one hour there, and it's just like, it doesn't go deep enough. But if you actually go into this deep shit, I mean, go fucking deep and get out of your fucking head. And get at the fucking pain. The pain is what's and this and the fears and those beliefs that you were taught by the alcoholic old man or the by the mom that allowed bad things to happen or whatever it was. And that has to be parsed out and figured out. But until all that shit f- floods out of you, it's churning around inside of you. So this is why I wrote the book. There's a hole in my love cup. This is why I create all this shit. Every single thing we talk about or guess we have is an opportunity to journal on it. Today's episode is an opportunity for everyone listening to have journaling topics. So shit, I'm like Steve in terms of this. And Fox, I'm just like Steve. I'm wrestling with that. Or I'm not quite like Steve on that. Or Sven asked a good question there. And all this is journaling, fucking journaling. And the truth is, 
if you have things in your life that are obligations, if you have things in your life that you're giving yourself to and it's not bringing you happiness, it's not lifting you up, then you gotta start flushing out and you gotta drill down to asking yourself, why the fuck am I doing this? What's really going on? What is it I most fear about letting go of my ex-wife? How painful would it be to not have her anymore? What's the real reason that I have no life outside of my son and my ex-wife? Which of course makes sense as to why you're holding on to her because you have nothing else. It was your former source of love and she feels that fucking clinging attachment and it, and she's pushing it away because she's tired of it. Plus you maybe hurt her so much. And of course she doesn't want to look at how much she hurt you and you don't want to look at it because she's done such an effective job beating you down, but you were beating down, you were being beaten down long before you met her. That was all, everything before her was a setup for her to walk in and just play right into that fucking hand. But she's got her own pain too. There's so much here, Steve. There's so much here. And the truth is I can only create the tools. And I mean, if you come into counseling with me, you know, I, fuck, I can take you deep and do all this shit. But the truth is I create these tools so people can do it themselves. But you got to commit at some point. And we only commit to healing when the pain has gotten bad enough. And if you're healing just to get her back, which you've said you weren't, if you're healing just to get her back, well, that, then you're not really committed to healing and really getting this shit out. But this is the work that has to be done. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Otherwise, you're just gonna come up with something new every time that absorbs you. And the next thing that'll absorb you will be the isolation. The isolation. And the fact that you have no life outside of these two things says that you haven't gotten all the stuff out. You don't even know what your fucking interests are because you got so much crud inside you. All that crud has to come out. Again, why I wrote the book. And uh, so, Steve... You've got such a big fucking heart. You really do. And you give so much and, and you want to be there for people. And you're obviously a hard worker. That's indisputable. And you have a heart for your son and so forth. But all this other shit is standing in your way, man. And it's it's inside of you. It's not outside of you. And so even in that environment that you're in right now, in a way, it's a gift in terms of healing. And I know that sounds insane. I'm an advocate of if you need to leave a geography uh, because that gives you room to breathe and do more of your healing work. I'm in favor of that. But I'm also in favor of staying in that environment just brings right to the surface all the shit that you need to heal on. It's just right there. Oh, I'm feeling sad right now when I see her. Boom, done. Okay, you've just shown me the next thing that you need to look at in your in inner work, in your soul work. Every, every single one of those feelings is an opportunity, another rabbit hole to go down and begin to flush out and purge out all this stuff. Let me ask you this question though. Final question, Stephen. It's simply this. What are you feeling right now if you're to be totally honest? Fearful and hopeful. And the single biggest thing you're fearful about is what? That I can't do it. You can do it, Steve. You can do it. I got myself out of a 12-year suicidal depression. If you're in a suicidal depression, that means going into it, you couldn't get yourself out. But I figured out ways, all right? I didn't have therapists. I didn't have one book that just walked me through it. It was a lot of books. You can do this. The strength is in you. What if I can't do it without her? Oh, no, dude, you can definitely do it without her. I lost two wives and, and I had to lose them in order to be able to, you don't need her to heal. In fact, she's a hindrance to your healing because she's perpetuating the message cycle of you suck, you suck, you suck, you suck. And she's allowing you to stay in that and she doesn't want to be near you. You're holding on to her because you can't bear the thought of not having her. And it's hard to let go of love. You've been with her for 20 years, Steve, 20 years. That's a lifetime, man. And your soul at the very least needs to grieve that. You, you know, I did all of that for them, right? Like I was just a lost child, mm -hmm. like when I started. Mm -hmm. And yet you're still holding on. So that says the grieving's not done. And the grieving over your son 
for his heart, you know, and, and just feeling bad for him, but also for you. You're losing your son every single day, a little bit more. Your soul is grieving. At the very least, begin with your grief, begin with the tears, begin with the sadness and flush it out, not just the act of crying, but writing it out and, and writing it. And I believe in pen and paper or a keypad, not just talking into your phone, because by writing, you're forced to stay in those feelings longer. But uh, you've got so much pain inside you, and that shit has to come out. Just not just the grief alone over losing a 20-year relationship and all this with your son, plus your own grief over time lost and the sadness over the things I didn't do and the time I wasted on this or that, uh, but then also celebrating the th wonderful things you did do. But you can do it, Steve, and you don't need her to heal. And I would offer she's an obstacle to your healing. You think you need her, you don't need her. Okay. And I know it feels hard on the heart to consider that, but that's another opportunity to journal right there about all the sense of loss and sadness over losing her. Steve, you've been an amazing guest and you've shared so much with us. And I'm so grateful for that. I really want to thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you for talking to me. Pleasure was mine. And you can do this, Steve. I know you can. You got, you got some tears though. It, it, it sounds like, what are you feeling right yeah. now, Steve? It's okay, man. What are you feeling right now? I'll figure it out. And what? so the sadness right now is that you're not fixed and you're hoping you're fixed and now you're back to trying to figure it out on your own? Yeah. Do you have a therapist, Steve? Yeah. Okay. Two. <laughs> you can do this, Steve. I know it seems like a mountain. You can do this. I know it's sad. Let the tears out, man. That's okay. Well, why is it when I move mountains for people and they bring me and I get to a mountain, I can't move myself and they push me down it. It's not fair. And the bottom line is, Steve, it's time to, I know this is going to sound crazy, but it's time to stop moving mountains for other people and start moving mountains for yourself. And you need to assume nobody's going to be there to help you. You need to assume you got to do it yourself. And then certain ones will show up at times but you're gonna to have to do this one yourself. But you gotta, I mean, you do what you want out of respect for a grown ass man, you do what you want, but I'm telling you, you gotta stop saving other people, Steve. There'll be time for that later, after you heal. Yeah, you gotta be in the pits, in the trenches with your son, but you gotta take time and energy for yourself. You have to. And maybe that means, with all the love you have for your mom, maybe it means letting go of trying to heal and take care of mom. Your body is breaking down. That's an indicator of how much your internal soul and self and emotions and heaviness are breaking down as well. And you can send her love every day. You can talk to her on the phone. You can write her letters. You can even apologize for not being there for her. But Steven, you gotta save yourself. You're no good. You're no good. It would break your mom's heart if she knew that going to take care of her would break you down even further. No mother or father wants that for their child. You have to take care of yourself, Steve. You have to. Your 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 ex is going to be fine. She's going to be fine on her own. And I know you say she's dependent upon your your money, and you don't want to cut her off from that or whatever. You got to take care of yourself, dude. You're killing yourself for other people. You can't live that way, Steve. You just can't. That has to end. You have, you know you feel obligated to your son, and I respect that, and you want to take care of him. But beyond that, you have to take care of you. And I know you you give so much love, hoping you'll get love in return. You give so much love, hoping that when I need it, then people will be there for me. I know that, all right? I hear you loud and clear. But no one's gonna fall in love with you until you fall in love with yourself, Steve. And I know that sounds like a cliche, but it's so true. 
you have to give yourself energy. You have to give yourself attention. You have to give yourself rest. You have to begin to flush out all the crap that's blocking you until you make you a priority. You're going to keep dying. You're dying in front of my eyes, Stephen. You are. It's not just your son. It's because you're giving your whole life away to other people. You can't do that anymore, Steve. You can't. Because it'll be five, 10 years down the road, and then you'll be like, I've given my whole life away, and I feel dead inside. Let me tell you about my Uncle Milt. My Uncle Milton, I was living in Ohio, and I drive back to Minnesota for my son's football games on Friday nights. And uh, I would stop occasionally in Elgin, Illinois, and my Uncle Milton lived there. And he was alone, and he was dying of brain cancer. And I remember I was sitting with Uncle Milton one time, and he said, you know, Sven, I know why I have this. I says, why is that? And he said, because I spent five years taking care of Char. Char was his wife, and she had cancer. And I know it was those five years. It just broke me down. It wore me down. The grief and just all of it, it just wore me down. Well, I, what he was basically saying is, I should have done more to take care of myself. So let's learn from my Uncle Milton, and he died of that brain tumor, okay? Let's learn from my Uncle Milton, and you got to take care of you because you'll lose yourself in just giving, giving, giving to other people, hoping that they'll give some love in return. Give that love to yourself first. You have to, Steve. You have to, or you will not have the peace and the happiness that you seek. You got to do the work on you. You have to make you a fucking priority, okay, man? All right. All right. Well, Steve, it's been great having you on the show. And for all of our guests listening in, I know we're all grateful for him uh, bearing his soul to us. On behalf of Casey in the booth and Rob sitting next to me to all of our listeners around the world, have a kick-ass day. The Badass Counseling Show is strictly copyrighted. No copies may be made without the express written consent of the Badass Counseling Show, LLC. The Badass Counseling Show is produced by Karen Camparelli and Robert H. Friedman. Executive producer Sven Erlinson. Original music by two-time Emmy Award-winning composer Trevor Morris. Have a kick-ass day.